Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Just about because he beat Kessler, you know, um, beat Arthur Abraham, had a fantastic, fantastic record. Ward, maybe not the sexiest. I say, beat Carl Froch. He made Carl Froch that night look like a plumber. He looked sluggish and slow. He couldn't land shots flush. He just didn't look. He looked awful that night against Andre Ward. But it was because of Andre Ward, and I always rated Ward quite highly for that performance. So for me, I always had him as number one. Y'all must have forgot, Lloyd Jones Jr. Oh, oh yes, Lloyd yes. Jones Jr. <laughs> yeah. And he, the younger version, not the one that Calzaghe had. Oh, no. Yeah. Version, no, but you, the thing, you know, coming back to Froch, um, Ward there, in, in the build-up, I remember, I think, Froch was saying that, you know, Ward's just going to go on his bike and, you know, he's going to pit pat and move in and out. And he did the 100% complete opposite. He went in and he fought on the inside and Froch didn't know what to do. And that I think that's what really threw him because probably yeah. the whole camp had been reared around him sort of like having to extend his arms you know cut the ring off and whatever else or actually he was in front of him the whole night and yeah. that really skewed it for him yeah so those, we, are, those are the best three super middleweights of all time though, and I think it's quite, quite good that Roy Jones all, yeah we've all got different reasons I, I, yeah. all, all of those strong argument for it, all of those you know right so we're going to get them together and we're yeah. going to just get them to do it until yeah, yeah. Lock, him in a, lock him in a room and let him have it. Well, Carl Frotch calls yeah. a straightener. I can't wait until <laughs> Frotch gets into the Hall of Fame, yeah. sees Calzaghe and starts puffing up. Yeah. Him. <laughs> I, I love Frotch. He's yeah. So welcome to episode forty-four of Below the Belt. I have been recording this for the last minute uh, because I just I like quite like that question: Who's the best super middleweight of all time? Carl Frotch. I really quite liked him the other day with George Groves when they were ringside at, at the Sky Show. Frotch was doing his best to be a nice person. You could see how hard it was for him, but he was he was actually being really, really nice to George Groves. And you could see in George's face, it well didn't come as easy to him to be nice back to Carl, but he was, and it was it was quite quite a nice thing to see, wasn't it, to see George Groves and Carl Frotch together. Um, so yeah, welcome everybody. Um, you'll notice that I'm not joined by uh, T and Alex this week. I am with. Um, Mark Butcher from Boxing Monthly and Paul Zanon from Boxing Monthly and lots of books and lots of other things. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward today to just having a backseat. I may have a nap at some point. And I'm just gonna <laughs> let I'm just gonna let you two just go for it. Paul, you was at the uh, Dubois show last night. Yeah. Thoughts? Uh, first thing first, it, it was pretty empty. The arena, gotta right. say. Uh, I think there was a few factors in there. The trains weren't working great, but um, that aside. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, I'm a big fan of Daniel Dubois. I followed him yeah. from his very first fight. I've interviewed him a few times and, um, you know, I'm a big fan of anything sort of reared at the Peacock. It's just, uh, was it a big enough fight to sort of sell out 
Wembley something like that. I mean, you know, yeah. was, was the best patch suited to the York Hall where it definitely would have sold out and it would have been a, a perhaps a more intense um, sort of crowd in yeah. attendance there. Um, I, I, I don't know, uh, but I, I don't think there were more than two, 3,000 people there. Yeah. Um, 14 fights, it's a lot of fights. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty much kicked off around. All those Warren shows that they go on forever. Yeah. 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 It's like you've you got a match from it tends to do about eight fights and uh, yeah. kicks off about 6.37. This yeah. was about sort of five-ish. Thankfully, there were a few early stoppages, so uh, you know, even the floaters got in. Yeah. Um, cutting straight to, to Dubois, uh, he's got a jab which is getting stronger and stronger every time. And the second he threw it out, which took all of about two seconds in the, in the opening round, um, uh, Larty had a look on his face which almost sort of said, What the bleeding hell has he got in his gloves? Yes, yeah. and um. And then the jab got pumped out again, and that was it. But then his corner were reading the right act to him in Ghanaian. Um, I'm guessing they were, but they were, they were screaming something. And he suddenly started coming out and throwing punches. And fair play, it, it, you know, Dubois ended up in a dogfight, and that's the first time we've seen him going toe to toe. He took a few, he certainly got clipped a couple of times. Yeah. And that showed some vulnerabilities, which is firstly, don't let your head rule yourself here. You know, yeah. you, you, sorry, let your head rule yourself, don't let your heart. Yeah. Um, need to keep the guard up, keep the distance. He's got phenomenal power, but if he can sort of set the traps and then unleash it, yeah. he will get a lot further. But he went in to give a performance. Uh, he wanted to get the crowd excited. He certainly did that. Everyone was almost on their feet for every second of it. And um, he bagged another KO. So, um, yeah, I, I look forward to who's going to fight next. It's either going to be Gorman or Joyce. Yeah. Despite all the hoopla from the British Boxing Board of Control saying it's all sanctioned, this, that, and the other. I genuinely don't believe the fight with Joyce will happen. Um, At all? Um, or this year, this calendar year? I, I, I'm going to say not at all. I'll tell you why. Because uh, I think they're going to try and get a, another fight for Joyce. Um, you've got sort of two sort of similar thoroughbreds here running on, a, on different tracks. And yeah. if one of them knocks the other one out, it's going to kind of damage the goods on the shelf. So yeah. I think they're going to try and run them down sort of similar paths and take out whoever they can within, say, the top 30 in the world. And um, I think Dubois-Gorman's probably more likely. I think that'll be a good fight. I agree. Uh, yeah. Certainly generate a lot of attention. And uh, Joyce, um, I, I really don't know who they're going to get You know, for him to fight next. Uh, I don't know. It could even be Joyce-Gorman. You never yeah. know. So, uh, but, yeah, be, be, be interesting, be interesting. But um, in terms of the overall from last night, Sonny Edwards... Uh, He's got fast hands. He's very gutsy, very ballsy. Um, New Lomachenko, if I was hearing. The Lou Lomachenko, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and um, I saw on Twitter yesterday someone saying, you know, the, uh, the Klitschko's are Croydon. I mean, I was trying to work out the analogy there. They're, they're both about a foot and a half shorter than the Klitschko's. You'd have to sort of live with some sort of seven dwarfs type thing where you put one on the shoulders yeah. of the other, wouldn't you, to make yeah. one Klitschko? Yeah. yeah, just about, yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's got to be some other sort of analogy there in terms of uh, twins or whatever else, but... I think the Klitschko's of Croydon is probably not the right. Maybe, maybe whoever's listening to this can come out with a suggestion as to, yeah. a, a, you know, something more appropriate. But uh, I like the Edwards. They're, yeah. they're good guys. They're polite. They're good for boxing. Um, they, they train their asses off. They're uh, they're always in good shape. And um, you know, you're going to get a, a 110% from them whenever they turn up. However they turn up, you know. So mm. uh, yeah, uh, Lerone Richards. Um, it was a battle of the jabs for the first few rounds. Round ten, you know, and I'm literally fast forwarding it today because there was a lot of. Yeah. kind of mediocre material in between there yeah. round 10 he unleashed some crap absolutely cracking uppercuts and um but he just didn't follow up yeah and i think he probably could have forced a stoppage there yeah so maybe the hunger you know going forward might sort of come um he, he did have first the, time he's uh, boxing a while wasn't it around richards been a year is it, I think uh, it was a i'm year. not sure off the top of my head i'm not 100 sure how long but maybe he was getting a few cobwebs out. But yeah. I, I like him. He's a good technician. Um, he had the wasp coloured sort of like shorts on. <laughs> maybe he can get a bit more sting <laughs> moving forward. Um, <laughs> but um, but let, let's see. He, he came out of that pretty much unscarred. And uh, yeah, and, and that was it. A, a matchup I'd like to see from two of the guys from last night, it'd be a rematch, is Umar Sadiq and uh, Zach Chelly. So they both won last night. Uh, Sadiq, for me, strikes him as having a very good boxing brain. He's only had a few fights. He, he, he moved up to five and one last night with his second round stoppage. Zach Chelly won. He's now the Southern Area uh, champion. I think Umar's concern is probably he brings nothing to the table in terms of silverware. 
and um, Shelley can now move on and maybe think about Commonwealth, British titles, etc. Mm. Um, but I think if those two meet again, it could be a cracker because when they first fought, yeah. Shelley knocked them down in the sixth, then Sadiq um, basically won the rest of the fight very convincingly. Yeah. And I think Shelley was sort of struggling towards the end. So it'd be nice for both of them to kind of redeem themselves. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I think through the uh, Edwards, it would have to be the galaxies of Croydon because oh. there you've got two brothers there, super fly, bantamweight, that yeah. sort of thing. But Clinch goes, no, it doesn't work. Does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't, no. doesn't work at all. And uh, something else happened last night, Mark. Your old mate, Nanito Donaire, won. Oh, yeah, I was absolutely thrilled for him. Absolutely thrilled for him. I mean, he is such a, a nice guy. I mean, he bought me several pints of Asahi when I interviewed him in Macau and yeah. um, good friends of a, a part of his entourage. But I think with him, everyone says when he knocked out Montiel, he changed as a fighter. He fell in love with his power. So when you see him yeah. in that sort of period, subsequent period, he's always headhunting. He's always yeah. looking for the knockout. And I think going back down to sort of bantam, where yeah. the featherweight obviously was too small. Even super bantamweight, he was a bit of a fish out of water. But down yeah. at 118, that power holds. And you yeah. think, obviously, Young is not, you know, he's a late uh, substitute. But yeah. He's well if we do get Inouye and Denaire, yeah. however long that lasts in the fight, it's going to be a firefight. Because yeah. Nanito yeah. can knock out anybody. Yeah, he he's, can. he's that good. He's still sharp. He's a puncher. And he's just his family are really nice. Mm. And it's great to see him having this kind of Indian summer yeah. in his career. And who would have thought it? I, I, was, I would actually give him a little bit of a chance against Tete. Because yeah. Tete... Is a hot and cold fighter, but mostly cold, really. Yeah. Since since Butler, a lot of the performances haven't been up to much, and you always give Nanito that chance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see him do that, and obviously, pro grade stopping Reddit. I mean, that is it's a hell of a statement. That's a hell of a statement because yeah. Reddit is is a, a, a tough, tough world champion, and just to sort of dissect him to pick him apart like that. Mm. Um, it makes you so thrilled that hopefully we get that dream final with Josh Taylor because yeah. uh, Josh Taylor to me he can do everything but there's one thing we don't know can he take a oh, punch a at the highest level it's a genuine banger at 140 yeah. and Progray will be the proof of that yeah. because he, he's, a, he's a serious serious hitter and, you know, I love Progray because I think there's, there's so much potential with him to be made into a big star yeah. um, and you know he's certainly on the way to doing that so hopefully we get pro Greg Taylor absolutely I'm heading up to Glasgow for um, oh fantastic for the Taylor Taylor semi-final and then Inoue Rodriguez as well um, yeah Inoue Denaire is a mouth-watering final isn't it and uh, we don't know with Inoue he's been he's not been at bantamweight long and both of his fights have been very short so you don't know how he's going to look when he holds a shot uh, at that weight class, we don't. We don't know how it's going to look, so it's going to be, it's going to be. Hope it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I think the semi-finals will be fantastic. A new A against Rodriguez is going to be a fantastic semi-final as well. How do you see that one going, Paul? Inui against Rodriguez. Yeah, I see Inui winning again, yeah. and probably by stoppage, not because that's just his previous record. Because um, that'd be silly, just sort of saying he's going to win by knockout. It'd be the equivalent of me saying that Tete is going to win all his fights via knockout because he knocked a guy out in under ten seconds. You know, but it's just more a case of a uh, style. Uh, the power he generates his divisions above him is it, yeah. it, 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 phenomenal but um, and he doesn't stop people he knocks them out like they got cold yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean the, the the thing that Mark sort of mentioned there about um, Donaire I, I also think that when he sort of fought Frampton you know he, he fought in a division which wasn't his natural sort of weight he'd, he'd moved up and his power kind of dissipated a bit but last night um, the stoppage uh, you know to, to every amateur boxer out there when your trainer's telling you right we're going to do this drill 10,000 times over, you're gonna do a right hook to the body and follow it with a left hook. And you're gonna do this again and again and again until you're so bored of it, you're gonna to wanna to fall asleep. Yeah. And then when you're in the position, it's gonna come natural. And you know, for every little boxer out there on their way up, you look at what he did last night, that would have been drills that he'd have gone over a million times. Yeah. And he, he went right to the, to the body, left, and it was in a split second it happened. Yeah. And bang, it went down. But again, talking about, you know, minus the Asahis that he bought, which for the records is always a good move. But um, <laughs> when you see how he conducts himself inside and outside the ring, the first thing he did was run over to the corner and make sure the other guy was okay. He is such yeah. a gentleman. Yeah. It's, it's not fake as well. No. And, he, you know, you will see him be genuine with fans. And, you know, he, he's just very, very good guy. That was interesting because he had quite a difficult relationship with Nanito Senior. Right. He's always felt 
that he has to prove himself. Even after all those world titles, when I met him, one of about four divisions or something at the time, and you know, he's always still trying to prove because he was never kind of the favourite. Glenn was the favourite, right? And, and uh, you know, he's always trying to prove that. And for him, it's a machismo thing because I mean, he could actually make these fights easier for himself, but he he, he likes that sort of machismo element, mm. and it's about you know, he has got the power. I mean, a, a, a bantamweight, he's got the power to to, to take out anybody. Obviously, as has it anyway. And even in the Carl Frampton fight at Featherweight, he hurt Carl Frampton at least once. He definitely buzzed him. A couple of times, yeah. A couple yeah. of times he got so He's really got, you know, fight changing One near power. the end, what, 10th or 11th, was it? Something like yeah. That. He, did, he did hurt him late, and Frampton really sort of backed off. Yeah. Yeah, he really, really did. So, excellent. That was uh, last night's stuff. I thought we would um, jump back, jump back to last week and just, just talk about Terence Crawford and Amir Khan. Um, you know, Terence Crawford won in the sixth round quite early on in the sixth round. Um, thoughts on first of all, let's talk about Terence Crawford's performance. What did you What did you think of that, Paul? I thought he was very good. He's, uh, he's, he's his boxing IQ is phenomenal, and um, you could see him making adjustments throughout. It's not that he had to make a head of a lot of adjustments, to be honest. Um, he, he kind of worked out calm within about the first thirty seconds, and and Khan's mo really didn't change very much. Um, when he felt the power of uh, of Spence. He kind of like, he didn't go into a shell, but he, he certainly wasn't coming out firing punches like he would have before. Yeah. Um, for me, and it's you know it's, it's not a fight that I may want to remember so much. But when he fought against Canelo, mm. memory serves me. I think up to the time of knockout, it was ahead on the on, on the cards. Yeah, he he was popping out the jab beautifully. His footwork was good, and then I think he stepped over his his jab, and Canelo kind of realised you know that was becoming a uh, a, a trait, and right. then just threw the right, and and it calculated perfectly, but. That version of Amir is gone. Yeah. Uh, that speed, uh, you know, the, the lateral movement, um, that th- those those little hooks and uppercuts that used to be able to throw in like three or four in bunches and then move out, it just seems to have disappeared. And certainly yeah. against Crawford, I don't know if it's as a case of Crawford so fast and so intelligent with it, wasn't allowed to get his punches off. But I genuinely believe that Amir's just slowed down. Yeah. And that, that worries me because at that weight, he's going to be runnable, and um, I, I really wouldn't want to see him getting involved in any hard-hitting fights from here on to be honest yeah he's I think with with, with Amir it's um, you said just then about Nanito Denaire and having to practice and practice Amir Khan's had a lot of long breaks hasn't he he's had a lot of long breaks between fights between Canelo and Phil Greco fight was close to two years he's had a lot of breaks a lack of practice and it's just you know keep steel sharp and steel and just being able to just do things at a high level and he just he just can't do it anymore yeah. um, he just can't do it anymore and um, you know he's kind of avoided you know in my opinion he's avoided the Kelbrook fight for so long um, I I wouldn't mind seeing it now because they're both completely shot to bits they're both completely done so it's almost competitive let them have their final payday and go away what do you think about you know the, the fight overall Mark Crawford and Khan. Oh, Khan's had more wars in Afghanistan, hasn't he? I mean, it just it's, it's like it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. I think, obviously, he's always a unique selling point is his speed, but he's not faster than Crawford. No. This is the thing, Crawford, when you, you first sort of see him, you think, you just, all the great sportsmen just see something a split second quicker, and, Khan, and Crawford has that. Mm. He's just a tremendous fighter, and I, I think he's hugely impressive by, by Crawford. And obviously, Khan... There's the whole sort of parallels with the Brooke Spence thing. You know, you can, I mean, though Brooke did quit against Spence, obviously anyone sensible is going to if you're on yeah. a site is going. So that's mm. that's completely acceptable. Khan uh, obviously didn't want to go on because he would have taken five minutes. Mm. You know, you'll get, and you can't blame him for not doing that, but I think he just saw it as a way out. Here's Was he quick, hoping for the disqualification? Here's a question for know. you guys. Um, I, I don't know the answer. I post it to you guys. Um, Hunter made the decision. Yeah. Said it's off. Is it the the uh, the trainer that gets the decision over the boxer, or can the boxer overrule it? I think the trainer has to make the decision. We we talk. We I think we we covered this on the last podcast. I believe you guys went here. We talk a lot about brave corners. We're always talking about brave corners and them being brave on their fight. Especially in America, I mean, see yeah. some horrible corners. You know? Yeah, them being brave on their fighters' behalf. Mm. And I don't think that really annoys you, Mark. Um, and it annoys me as well. It annoys most people. And I think that's what's. I think the trainer has to take that decision because you know, for example, when Eddie Gutnecht he needed his corner to be, to be brave in, 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 a, in a sense that 
he needed to pull him out and take the bollocking off his fighter. And if Amir Khan gets pulled out by a hunter and, and Khan wants to call him all the cunts in the world, then fair enough. But you have to be brave in that respect. So I think it is on the trainer. I don't know about what you And some like vir virtual hunter, you know, you can respect someone yeah. like that. So, and it, it, I mean, he's probably, he can read the body. He knows Khan better than we do. He can mm. read the body language. He thinks he doesn't want to go on. He, he's helping him. Yeah. He's helping him save face. As far as the book fight has gone, I've always thought Book will beat Khan. I, I think he's all wrong for Khan. Um, and I, I don't think Khan necessarily has avoided him. I think as much as that, he wanted to deny him the payday. Yeah. And it's like the last resort. But I think if we do get Book Khan, it will be a cash grab, that last cash yeah. grab. Yeah. People will buy into it and will love it. But there's only one winner, yeah. and uh, I'm not sure I necessarily want to see it because I, I wanted to see that I don't know, five years ago, yeah. and I, I don't really know why it ha it's taken so long because every year subsequently just lost its luster for me, and now it's one of those ones where we're getting hyped, hyped up to watch this fight, and you think, Do you know what, of all the fights you can make in the UK, that's not in my top ten. Yeah, I mean. It it's kind of like Mayweather, um, Pacquiao, again, sort of five years too late. And uh, when it did happen, it was the biggest anti-climax on the planet. Um, I loved I, it, personally. You, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but they, 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 but the, the difference is, both Mayweather and Pacquiao, though it was later, they still had stuff left. Mm. Mayweather, and they was, Mayweather was still the pound-for-pound pound best fight in the sport. Pacquiao was still winning titles at one. They were seven. probably number one and two at World Yeah, so, so, so though it was late, they, they were still completely legit. Yeah. Whereas now you look at this is Khan, you look at Khan and uh, and uh, Brooke, Brooke yeah. you know there might be names here, but you know they're they're standing in the sport now. No one's going to be rushing to put Khan in a big fight. That's his last payday left, really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. If he was, although he's, I was just looking at the rankings earlier on for Kell Brook. He's number three with the WBO. Hame Munguya is probably going to move up. Yeah, he's going to move up. Yeah. He's got a good chance of getting a shot at a vacant world title, Kell Brook, at some point. Um, yeah, WBO is funny though. WBO, for some reason, they're usually on Frank Warren's shows, aren't they? Yeah, so, um, yeah. so WBO might but He doesn't go. have Liam Smith anymore. He doesn't have Liam Smith. So, uh, yeah, so it'd be inter interesting with that. But, yeah, I mean, he's got a chance. I think that is Brooks' best opportunity. But there's a mm. lot of those guys are huge that are going to move up. Yeah. You know, so. Jarrett Hurd's a monster. Hurd will definitely be going yeah. up. Yeah, you think Charlo would move up after? Charlo, obviously, they were building that up and he lost to Harrison. Yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah. But I mean, there's going to be a few vacant ones, and it all opens up. Yeah, it all opens up. What do you What do you think's next for Crawford? Well, the, the fight everyone wants to see is Spence Junior. But I think um, the respective promoters uh, or, or promoter, whichever it may be, by the time the fight comes around, you never know. It seems to be going down one person getting everybody at the moment. Yeah. Um, they're going to want to try and run them down their own tracks for a bit longer drain a bit more cash at them not set up fights but certainly you know against maybe Errol Spence against um, you've got Crawford now and then it could be Garcia after that and, and whoever else but mm. Porter's, um, Porter's the one where you think that's an easy one to make a PBC mm. and you could argue with the belt that Porter is not that far off a Crawford fight in terms of people wanting to see it they're obviously yeah. you favour Spence yeah it's, it's interesting isn't it because there's just not there's not really anyone under the top rank stable for Crawford to fight really that's, that you would look at as a legitimate threat to Crawford at this point. Every unification fight is under the PBC banner. Top rank, uh, Bob Arum came out after the fight and the first thing he did was slag off Al Heyman. So it didn't, it didn't bode well for a future fight for Crawford and one of the PBC stable. Um, it looks like it's going to be uh, Spence against Porter soon. Furman against Manny Pacquiao, those are both. Yeah. I think Furman Manny Pacquiao is a great fight. I don't know about you, Paul, but I think that's a great fight. Every time you rule off Pacquiao, he does something again to impress you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, get, he's getting older, he's, you know, he's not throwing the speed of punch he did when he was in against Oscar De La Hoya mm. and, and whoever else. But, I mean, geez, <laughs> ask any 40 year old out there if you could be as fit and as fast as Manny Pacquiao, what would you do? You know, you'd mm. probably be happy to say, I, I wish I had half of that when I was 20 years old, you know? Mm. So, so yeah, I, I think it'd be good. It'd also be good for. Um, Thurman because you know had his time out mm. um, he's impressive in his last fight but he's still a distance away from what he used to be mm. so this could be his fight to maybe get him back into that sort of recognition yeah. and um, he's been calling out Spence you know I think recently uh, before the, um, the Spence um, Garcia fight he, he asked Spence a question live on TV so what's it like being the second best welterweight you know on the planet and uh, <laughs> yeah, you can see sort of Spence smiling thinking okay yeah you know 
We'll, we'll, we'll dance further down the line, you know. Yeah. So, so hopefully that could be a good fight as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's a tasty division, um, but I think as you guys have pointed out, there there's going to be movement ups and downs. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely. I mean, I can tell you, Crawford's going to fight now. I mean, he's going to fight uh, a Gigas Cavalucus. Uh, I can never really say it. Um, I've always been impressed with him. He's a very very big puncher, but he's part of the top mate stable. Yeah. yeah. Obviously can't hold a candle to Crawford but as they're both top man he's the manager so you can almost definitely that's going to be next yeah I agree. and I mean you and you get certain without speaking uh, in an untoward manner you get certain promoters that have affiliations and obviously we know the WBO is very top ranked very Frank Warren so mm. those fighters when they petition for their sort of challenges guy, to check, yeah. you know they're, they're going to get in the rankings and so you'd think that's going to be the one there for Crawford um, but it's a shame because were he in the PBC, there's so many wonderful permutations. Yeah. They're, they're all in there. And yeah. as, as Paul mentioned, Garcia looked absolutely rejuvenated against Granados. And that was that was a terrific win by Garcia. One of the best left hooks in the business, isn't it? When that hits, people go to sleep. Yeah. You know? so. And just what we needed to see from Garcia in the Sean Porter fight was a little, just a little bit more combinations, unlucky a little bit against, more active. Unlucky against Porter. Though. I thought he won. Mm. I thought he just nicked that against Porter. I thought he, be, he beat Porter that night. But... He just needs to be a little bit more active and just throw a little bit more in combinations. I think the Lamont Peterson fight was similar. He just got a little bit lazy, and I, I think you know, I think he'd have won those fights more convincingly. It's know? karma though for Garcia, isn't it? Because he, yeah. had, he, had, had those, he had he had those so many sort of like really wafer thin decisions where he just got the benefit of the doubt. And then it came, it came to like the Furman fight, yeah. and then the Porter fight, and he's on the wrong side because he always seemed a bit like that Teflon man that was always getting decisions. Well, he's he thought, yeah. thought that he's going to be built up for Mayweather. Mayweather retired, and now yeah. he's been unlucky in fights, and he's he's still up in the higher echelon. I, I was pleased to see the way he took apart a very tough Granados like that, and gave me hope that he he is going to. Have another run at it because he's a good character. He's, he's a good, good character. His dad's always good value. His dad's a loon. What's not to like? Yeah, yeah, we like loons, don't we? Um, so yeah, fantastic stuff. Just, I just, I had a thought when I was sat on the train the other day, thinking about Terence Crawford and uh, switch hitters. Who's the best switch hitter, Crawford or Tyson Fury? <laughs> um, I've got you, haven't I? Uh, oh. I think Crawford. Crawford, you've got the side. So the problem, the thing with Crawford, Crawford has fought against a higher level of opposition because the divisions that he has been in from lightweight upwards have a far stack for talent. When you actually, as much as I like Tyson Fury in many respects, if you look through his record, there's not a great deal of meat in there. No. You know, you've obviously got Vlad, you've got our, our pal Delboy in there. Um, and, and you know the draw against Deontay, and then you're you're looking at people like you know Hammer and people like that. It's it's which I think was change to no contest. Change to no contest. And that was one yeah. of his better wins. So yeah. uh, at the time, so there's not a lot in there, and that's in, indicative of a division that just doesn't have a great deal of quality in it. So right. you'd, you'd have to say you'd have to say Crawford. I mean Crawford is arguably the best fighter in the sport. The only the only other guy is, is Lomachenko. I wanted to ask that as well. Uh, pound for pound. Sick. Who's your pound for pound? Because we always do it for Boxing Monthly. I actually tweaked mine the other day. Top three. Give us your top threes, Mark. Top three pound for pound. It's 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 so it's so difficult. Uh, I, for, for me, Crawford and Lomachenko are pretty much neck and neck. Yeah, uh, pretty I, much I, neck and neck. And uh, I'd say on the, I'm going to go for Lomachenko still as number one. Okay. Crawford number two, Usyk number three. Uh, they, they, you know, you can make an argument for Canelo I'd, to be in there. I, as I'd have, I'd have same same number one and two, and uh, with the same sort of rationale that there's very little separating um, uh, Crawford and uh, Loma. But yeah, Loma one, uh, Crawford two, and I'd go Errol Spence Jr. for number three. Mm. Bit of a wild card in there, although not the beefiest of CVs. I, yeah. uh, I've got a feeling he, this guy's plenty special. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Can, can I just indulge just a, a quick moment in there? Um, just um, totally unrelated, but that's just, fine. Want want to say uh, just a little shout out to the um, the family of, uh, of Oliver Harrison. Yes. And, uh, so I, I I had the honour of, uh, of interviewing him for, for both Martin Murray and uh, Jamie Moore's books, and went down to his gym in Salford and spent a couple of hours in there chatting with him and uh, indulging myself questions off the uh, the book records. You know everything from him being a world tie boxing champion. Um, through to you know the crossovers between the sports, family life, etc. Sitting there, having a slice of cake and a cup of tea that he'd made and stuff like that. And 
just a lovely lovely man be, be sorely missed and uh, yeah just you know thoughts go out to him and his family absolutely his family sorry yeah absolutely so, yeah, yeah. someone who didn't seek the spotlight no. and like now you do get it's gone a bit WWE hasn't it where you've got people that are very noticeable that they're in the corner and you've got this stupid trait who, who is it that, that they, they do it now they announce who the trainer is in the corner or yeah, something yeah. some people don't need that further yeah, they don't want of ego it, yeah. that's one of the great things about Harrison and obviously the, the community work that he did as well and yeah he really is you know it's such a it's such a tragic shame it really is so yeah. you know, thoughts of him and his, his family and mm, absolutely. But his legacy will live on through many people's lives absolutely he, he has positively affected so many people taking them off the, the, the path maybe of, uh, of going down the route of, of crime and um, you know twisted their heads in the right direction to to become athletes very successful ones at that and has uh, guided so many people to a uh, to world title opportunities you know so yeah. Uh, yeah. just to, to you know bring it back to the podcast now in terms of world title opportunities there's a little one to throw you away um so last night dubois and um alati fought for the wba global title and i kid you not when when they announced they were fighting for the wba global title it was laughs from everyone and i, I I'm, I'm talking like a lot of boxers and whatever else that was i thought it was there. the wbo so I mean I'm, I'm losing I'm losing track with the uh, with the trinkets so, yeah. so I'm not sure if that means that the WBO global is what an eliminate for the interplanetary or something yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. not sure where this is going to go really but yeah. uh, where does that put like a world title you know so uh, between that the WBC diamond um, the gold that you just mentioned there yeah uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's it's obviously you know everyone realizes that these are just sort of like you know they're belts. Just, they're there to get rankings, it. aren't they? Yeah, it's just to get you a ranking for a real real world title, isn't it? But uh, I read an article. It must have been in in Boxing Monthly. But the, the, the whole dangerous thing about these intercontinental titles is they're always vacant, and anybody can be pitched into them and get a world ranking. Yeah, and you know when you see the sheer horror. Yeah. of Connor Ben, who are, I think, what a wonderful heart that kid's got. Nigel's a lovely person, yeah. and Connor is certainly a work in progress. Who you know, and I understand Matchroom aren't going to be rushing him, but to see him in that top ten, a kid as game as that, if yeah. he was thrown in, you know, what it, it's it's irresponsible to do because he wouldn't turn it down. You know, he no, wouldn't he's, turn he's a fighter. Yeah, he's, he's, in his yeah. game, you know, yeah. of course he wouldn't turn it down. No, you know, and yeah. he, it's life changing within, money. Within isn't his it, rights well. to believe in himself. Yeah, uh, particularly with his sort of DNA. But um, yeah. that is the scary thing. It used to be years ago that when you had the sort of WBC international, it was a top thirty sort of thing. So you get a Chris Eubank fighting a half decent Brazilian mm. like a Dos Santos who was like yeah. twenty five in the world, knock him out in the round. But it was a secondary thing. But now. WBO European, all these w, you're straight in there, yeah, and of yeah. course, when you're a champion looking for some, what always ranked number seven, we're told, but it doesn't mean anything, no. and it is scary because you're getting more world title fights that are just knockovers, yeah, and people yeah. who have no credentials getting them, and they're scary. Yeah. These, these titles, and yeah. they're irresponsible. There's no criteria to fight for the belt, is there? Conor Ben can fight me. And it will be for the WBA intercontinental tie. It is. It's really quite frightening. I mean, it's uh, you know, without sort of sounding like Uncle Albert here from my only calls and but um, it, it would be nice to sort of go the traditional route. You win an area title, yeah. then you, you fight for the uh, you know the British, Commonwealth, uh, the Commonwealth yeah. European, and then you, you go for the uh, for the world title. You know, it literally, you know, in some sort of mix like that. And if you're able to to win the Lonsdale along the way as well to get the uh, the complete sort of set, then then fantastic. But um. But yeah, you're finding a lot of people now that are jumping straight into an international, intercontinental or continental title belt and then five fights later they're going for a world title and, and, and losing it. Or, or if they do win it, then it's like one of a long string of people. So yeah. it's a little bit fuzzy. I mean, it, thank God for the things like World Box and Super Series because the best of the best are pitting themselves against each other yeah. and belts aside, um, you can pretty much determine who's the best fighter in the division, whoever wins that tournament. Yeah. And uh, that's great. It's like you know, Mark was saying before about Progray. Last night was actually the first time he's picked up a, world a proper world title. But yeah. he, he has been head and shoulders above most of the world champions out there for a long time. And he went out there last night. It was a combination of a, a throwback performance with some silky smooth skills chucked in as well. And he did an absolute number on a very 
very good fighter to win his first world title yeah wow, incredible yeah he's a, he's a hell of a fighter so you were just talking about Conor Ben there Mark and we, see, we see him here the WBA have him as number six yeah you know that's ahead of Broner um, uh, but you know, it, it's it's that is scary scary stuff because yeah. I know they're going to sort of keep feeding him a few names so this time 12 you know a few sort of uh, easy wins 12 months time he's going to be up two or three or something and that is dang- dangerous stuff isn't it Conor Ben Josh Kelly it's obviously Kelly uh, yeah. I, I, unfortunately I, I, I admire Ben's fighting heart tremendously but yeah. I think we have to remember with him he, he doesn't have an amateur pedigree and I would like if we're going to the, back to the old school this is the sort of kid that you build up a local following you go southern area yeah. you, now you go English you go British and you yeah. could do that in a way with his age to really build him up get yeah. the following and um, I, I just think you really need to apply the brakes with him and it's just because of his name he has been propelled very quickly mm. and uh, he, even when he had a couple of good wins I, I, I thought Sky were overhyping him and I, I was worried for the kid yeah. that he's going to be thrown in um, you know too early but yeah. he's He's still learning. He seems to have uh, uh, sort of uh, had a positive sort of reinvention, positive mind state, and mm. you know he's sort of quite humble and uh, now and hopefully he can build himself up. But to see him there as WBA number six in the strongest division, mm. arguably in boxing, yeah, is is scary, really. Yeah. Yeah. So he boxed on uh, the Dave Allen Lucas Brown on the card. Um, the main event in particular, Dave, Dave Allen and Lucas Brown. What do you think of the fight, Paul? What do you think of that? This, uh, Good. Dave, Dave Allen, for me, is Mr. Icing on the Cake. It, what I mean by that is that everything he's done in his career in the last few years has been icing on the cake for him. Yeah. And, uh, and he's open about that. He, you know, he's, he's been very open about his, his struggles with mental health, and I think he's done a hell of a lot for that particular community. Yeah. Every fight he goes into, he pretty much says, listen, I'm going to give it my best. Whatever the result is, you know, it's going to be, and that was it. Um, he, he was... Losing the fight on points against uh, against Brown, you know, right. a, yeah. a big fat slow plodder with a hell of a lot of power, albeit. But um, and then that crunching left hook came up. Uh, it was uh, you know absolutely peach perfect, and um, I couldn't have been happier for him. I mean, yeah. uh, as, as everyone else was. What I'd like from here is hopefully he's, he's had a few quid from the fight. Um, he can put a little bit away, and uh, he can maybe get a couple of other big paydays and squirrel away enough money to sort of say, okay. I'll this will set me up for the next sort of stage of my life. Yeah. Um, if he has a couple of fights where he's stepping up in class and he gets bashed up, then hopefully you know someone will be able to have a word and say probably time you sort of pull out. But if not, in the meantime, I hope the Cinderella story continues as long as it possibly can. He, he, he's a lovely guy, and I think we all need a bit of Dave Allen in our lives. He, he kind of sometimes takes away some of the steam that comes with boxing. When I say steam, I'm talking about this bullshit, to be honest. You know, too much hype, everyone talking about their legacies all the time in the center. He doesn't do that, he just keeps no. it real. Yeah. So, um, yeah, was losing the fight against Brown, left hook turned it around, stopped the fight, fantastic, headlined it. Yeah, it's, it's one of his, his bucket list, without a yeah, doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. You in tune for Boxing Monthly, didn't you, Mark? Yeah, and, he, and as yeah, I echo pretty much everything that Paul says, I mean, he's, and he's very self-deprecating I think he knows he's not got that much time left in the game and he wants just to give it a serious run because before when he was in with Dillian White, uh, Yoko and Ortiz, though obviously those are fighters of a, of a certain pedigree, he wasn't really a full-time fighter, he wasn't taking the game seriously and I think the great thing about him is that he kind of knows what it takes, the worst version of himself has fought those people and he feels with someone like Yoko, you know, maybe you know if Yoko's you know, proves that he's clean yeah. in, 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 a, in a subsequent fight that, that's a, that's possibly a rematch that, that he could go into with a bit of a, you know renewed energy but the thing the thing with him is he's tough and he can whack and he will be there late on and in the heavyweights against those sort of middle tier guys he's, he's got a chance mm-hmm. the obvious fight is David Price next I think that's a can't miss yeah, two you know, very likable guys. Absolutely. So, so I mean, I'd be all over. I mean, if you've got one of these heavyweight shows and you've got you know Dave Allen Price on the undercard, that's an attraction. So, yeah. if you can go on from there, which I think I believe you would beat David Price, this incarnation of David Price, um, then you know, Eddie Hearn said, keep winning, and you'll um, and you'll keep getting the fights. 
Yeah, I, I imagine it'd be Dave Arnold and Chisora, possibly, or Dave Allen mm. and David Price. I think they're both very likable guys, David Price and Dave Allen. So I think that'd be good for both of them. They both make a you know a good. Chisora's wrong for Allen. Uh, I, I, I think yeah. because Chisora, if you meet Chisora sort of head on, yeah, in swarming. Yeah, yeah. you you need with, with Chisora, you need to have that boxing sort of uh, you know wearable. And I think yeah. where Dillian, obviously the second fight, yeah. he's got that extra dimension. And though he was behind on the cards, you know, he was in control of, of the war as it was. And Chisora, Chisora boxes, sometimes boxes to the level of his opposition. The other night against the Gashin gun, he wasn't amazing. But whereas in the Dylan fight, you know, Dylan's a top five heavyweight, he boxed at that level throughout both fights, didn't he? He boxed to an excellent level. So I agree, I think Derek Chisora would probably beat Dave Allen. But yeah, I think David Price is, is the one that makes more sense. Yeah, I, I really look forward to that. I'll be all over that one. I... Uh, like I said, I, I, I wish Dave Allen all the very best of what he does. Just just a nice guy. And who can't like David Allen? I mean, seriously. Well, he genuinely does just rock up at people's houses or people are feeling down just to sort of cheer them up. And he is, he's someone with a, a big heart and you know, he's given so much back. And I think sometimes the fact that he is such a witty guy and a big hearted guy kind of obscures the fact that he can fight a bit. You know, you know, no one's going to say, you know, this this is the next Jerry Quarry or anyone like that. But he he is a guy that, you know, at a British level, there's some excellent fights there for him. You know, even cross-promotion, if it ever could happen, with one of those other, you know, Warren lads like a Dubois or, or a Gorman, you know, why not? You know, I mean, there's, there's, plenty, of, there's plenty of opportunity there for him. And he seems to have, uh, he seems to want it now. Mm. He's not going through the motions. Obviously, gambled away his purse for, of, with um, against Dillian White, and yeah. it's great to see him do that. And he sort of sucked up the first two rounds, and just way took him out. It was very impressive. He did it in some style. So, and what, what about um, Darren Barker? I mean, you know, training him for nothing, and yeah. uh, you know, just again, uh, one of the most lovable characters in the circuit. Um, you know, afterwards joked about how he would have got up from the body shot. You know, for, for, from his own sort of like epic experience of when he won the uh, the IBF um, middleweight title, but. To, to train someone for nothing and um, you see them coming through the ropes the first person they're in there giving them a hug you, you, you could tell the love between those two was, was, was fantastic yeah. and uh, we're all products of our environment and uh, Barker is naturally a very very nice guy so to know that he's not going to make a penny from 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 Dave in that um, and then sort of the result the way it came it was a poetic finish it was brilliant yeah. you yeah. can see from Dave Allen's reaction afterwards the, the buzz and the excitement he got from from stopping Brown in that way, it was like it was almost like it clicked right there and then. You work hard, I, you get this. This is the result, and it's almost like it clicked right there and then. You could see the excitement on his face. It's like he'd only been doing it five minutes. It was how many heavyweight body shot KOs do you see? You don't, you see, don't it. see him. You no. don't see him. It was a very very unusual, and, and uh, it was just the right time. I mean, Brown is on the way down. Which is, he, Great matchmaking to propel Allen at that point, and it was. It, I thought he would have a bit too much for Brown, but Brown just over the hill. Yeah. But see, the way he did it, I think, impressed all of us. We expected it to be a long, hard, dark night of the soul with maybe Allen sort of coming through late. We didn't expect that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we were just talking about Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly was on the undercard as well. Not, don't want to talk too much about the fight. It was, wasn't great, to be honest. What do you think is next for Josh Kelly? I don't know, I mean, coming back to what, what Mark was saying before in terms of if you look there, you know, you've got Adrian Broner apparently sitting below both Kelly and, and Ben on the WBA rankings. There's a, there's, there's, there's a lot for him out there, you know, he won, won the uh, Boxing Writers Club uh, Young Fighter of the Year last year, so obviously a lot of people seeing a lot of potential in him um, in terms of the voting there. Uh, he, he's got meerkat-like reflexes, he's obviously very skillful, but we're not going to know until he's tested to a high level. Mm. Can he take a punch mm. by the, the harder hitters within this division? I mean, you know, you're not going to put him in against a Spence Jr. at the moment, that's for no. sure. Um, he hasn't been in with people who are thinkers within the ring. And, um, you know, because the thinkers don't necessarily need big power. They're great counter punchers and whatever else. So uh, I, I, I like the kid. I think he's good for boxing, but I think it's very early days to start saying... You know, he's going to be the next world champion. There's a long journey to go before that. I mean, you know, I would say, crikey, you could be looking at another six fights before he's ready for a world title. If he gets the opportunity before, then of course he'll probably be sort of propelled in there. But um, I'd like to see him work his way through. 
maybe sort of European shot in a, in a fight or two and, uh, and see how he's going to the fight didn't happen before. That's the natural fight, I would yeah. say. Yeah. And yeah, there were rumours that possibly didn't quite fancy it. Um, mm. Might not have be, been the right time. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, now I think it certainly is the right time. That, that seems to be a natural European and, you know, that's the springboard. But when you look at the sort of the champions, you know, you've, you've got obviously Spence, Crawford, Furman, Porter, Pacquiao, before you even get down to the sort of Danny Garcia's and you know Jesse Vargas, Jesse Vargas yeah. even so, it's 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 such a difficult division. It really is, and I, I, there's nothing that we've seen yet. I think if he was to, to beat, show that he can compete with those guys. If he can beat Kerman, uh, um, yeah, I think if he can beat him, that will make a big statement because I I really like Kerman. I think he's a he's a great fighter. He brings that old school. Um, mentality to the ring. And it's a high risk, low reward, though. Now that Lejaraga's lost the European title, isn't it? Though, I mean, I mean that as you, you're saying, that's a terrific fight, and yeah. that's one we'd all want to see. But dangerous one, I would say. Yeah, dangerous. Okay. Uh, and again, it's not one you'd want to have in his next fight, but no. certainly along that route. Because if you can take a scalp like that, then it's kind of like Lipinets. You know, he gets knocked out by Garcia. However, yeah. um, you know, you're basically saying I'm going to go in against someone who got beaten by pound for pound yeah. uh, top fighter here, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly Josh Kelly from what he's done so far. You can't knock what he's done, but it's a long way away from us to saying he's world level. Mm, I agree. Okay. Well, what we'll do now is, chaps, we'll have a short break. I went down to the um, Carney's Community Gym down in Battersea the other day, and uh, I was there for the WBC Cares event, uh, and they they doing adaptive boxing it's for guys that are that are wheelchair bound uh due to maybe military work or car accidents things like that so i was lucky enough to interview scott welch who's the chairman of the wbc cares and former british commonwealth european champion and uh julius francis former british champion as well and they, they were great value we did we obviously spoke about the event itself but also got some sparring stories out of Julius Francis, which was great as well. So we'll have a quick break now, and then uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about your guys' journalism, and we'll have a quick preview of Canelo, Danny Jacobs. Thanks. All right, Callum Rudge from Boxing Monthly here with Scott Welch, uh, the chair of the WBC Cares UK. That's 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 your correct title, isn't it, Scott? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, today we're down at Carney's Community Gym down in Battersea. And uh, just tell us why we're here today. We're here to launch the Great Britain Adaptive Boxing Council. Um, part of the WBC, affiliated to the WBC. And we want to basically get it out to the masses and help these guys. Yeah, I mean, talking to these guys, this means everything to them. The same as boxing meant everything to me. Mm -hmm. So if you're telling me this, then this needs to be out so people can, can do more of it. These guys are telling me they've never felt so good. The little bit of training that they're doing is changing their minds. This guy's a motorcycle guy who's basically been paralyzed. He's now telling me I want to change my body. I want to get myself stronger. I want to do this, I want to do this. None of this was even spoke about before. All he was interested in is motorcycles. He's now telling me I love it. I'm going to get right involved in it. I'm going to train every day. You know, and if we can, if we can change and touch these people's lives just a little bit, so they can have more enjoyment out of the stuff they do, then that's I'm, I'm a happy man. You know, and, and I believe that that's what we're doing here. We're touching their lives, giving them something else. We know what boxing does to us and has given us in our lives. You know, I've been involved in boxing um, since I was th kind of 13 years old, so. You know, it, it, it's something, I've been in my gym 34 years, so it's hard to walk away, you know, they, yeah. you don't walk away, um, as, as, as everybody will tell you. So if they get involved now, I mean, this sport will go through the roof. I believe it's going to change um, the training techniques, the, um, the technology side, everything is going to move forward massively and very, very quickly in this game because it's a new game. And we can help so many people. That's what I believe. So the adaptive boxing program, just for people that don't know what that is, that, that, that this is guys in that are wheelchair bound and Absolutely. they've had, you know, a variety of injuries or things from birth and yeah. you're introducing boxing to them. 
So I'm, I'm introducing a safer boxing. So they they're not punching each other. This is not boxing how I know boxing or, or everybody assess what boxing is. You know, boxing is a very hard, brutal game in the professionals, and um, and we're definitely not doing that in this sport. This sport is about skill levels, about feeling good, looking good. And showing that these guys can change their mindsets, change their, their their bodies, and get stronger. Everything that they can do is making them understand that they've got to look after their bodies as well. Mm. So a lot of these guys have never done the exercises, never done anything. So mm. now they're telling me, right, I've been doing this, I've been doing that. I can actually move. I've got more movement in myself. I'm getting stronger. I'm moving the wheelchairs. I mean, it's fantastic. So that's what this is all about and so uh, you was explaining earlier on about the the scoring system you know as, as you know me and you you know we, we score fights in the regular and, and obviously in standard boxing if you like sco- the scoring is more about hard punches and for me as an outsider that's come here today it's almost like with the adaptive boxing you've taken yeah. the scoring and yeah. you flipped it completely the, yeah, the other way around yeah, where it's yeah, more yeah. about defense is that yeah, right working on defense skills um, movement of the wheelchairs, the head movement, the, and, and this is we're at the forefront of this. So again, we're learning and exploring as, as we go. Um, everything is is uh, you know where we are now to where we are in three months' time of saying right here we are. Now we really go to work on it. Everybody's kind of been given a little bit of time here and there, and now they're actually saying right now we're going to go. Okay, now we're launched. Now we understand. Now we put this stuff together. We're going to have um, have uh, meetings all over around the country and try and get more and more people there. And then we understand we'll be matching them equally. And, and just it's going to be training for months and months yet. There's going to be no, you know, and the ones that do go in the ring are the ones that we've got around us, the ones that have, have done this before. And they're only going to be doing exhibitions. Right. So no one's getting hurt. Nobody's getting, you know, it's purely exhibitions. We want to go on shows, amateur shows, um, up and down the country. We want to be opening the shows. We right. only want one one wheelchair thing. Right. One wheelchair about at the beginning yeah. right. of a show. And it may have to be 20 minutes before the show because they might not want us to do it. But as we grow... Everybody will welcome us with open arms and understand that what we're doing is great and, and it's great for these guys and these people, you know. So long term, I imagine the long term plan is to make it an Olympic sport perhaps? Absolutely, Paralympics and the Invictus Games. That's the long term. Obviously, we, we're at the, uh, as I said, we're at the very start. So all we're doing now is putting everything together, making it as safe as possible and, and, and growing this um, how it needs to grow so fantastic fantastic um, what would you I was talking to a couple of the guys I was talking to Elliot and I was talking to Aaron earlier on and, and learned about their story and the last question I asked them would be the same question I'm going to ask you what would you say to someone that is perhaps in a similar situation to them and was thinking about joining boxing what would you say well again what I know about these guys is that they've been in the worst place ever they've been in the darkest deepest hole and they're, and they're still hanging in there. I mean, it, what these guys have gone through is just, you know, Aaron was in a coma for nine months, woke up completely paralysed. You know, I couldn't imagine what that would be like. But, but he's telling me that this is fantastic and he loves it. He's been in this gym for three years, sitting against that wall with the brakes on, hitting that bag over there, doing nothing. And he's been here for three years. So that tells me that this guy deserves to be seen by the masses he deserves to be in a ring and showcasing what he can do and again it's a long way off yet because he needs to get his strength and everything but what an amazing character and he tells me that this gives him strength he looks at himself as a boxer he looks in the mirror as a boxer I'm a boxer you know and I introduced him to Chris Eubank you know that was fantastic he loved it he, you know they, they exchanged numbers and they're in touch I mean for this guy to do this Frank Bruno's uh, following um, uh, David Morphew you know he rang me up said Scott I can't believe I've got Frank Bruno following me you, you, you've changed my life it's, it's unbelievable you know these so these little things Charlie Edwards here today you know what a fantastic little champ he is unbelievable role model so this is great Julius is part of us the WBC I've got him involved with us you know he's a great guy great you know 
a, a great man to have around, been in with the best in the world, you know, brilliant. So, and we bring these together and we help this sport here build something. And I believe what you're going to be seeing, you're going to be seeing wheelchairs doing wheelies, they're going to be spinning around. It's going to be unbelievable. But we're at the very fr front of it. So these guys, you know, the new... The new ones that are going to come through are going to be incredible. So, so watch this space. I believe in the next two or three years, we're really going to be... I think so too. I think so too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Scott. Thank you um, very much. Yeah, thank you so much. Super. Okay, we're here at uh, Carney's Gym today, down at Carney Community Gym down in Battersea for the WBC Cares event. Um, I'm here with former British champion Julius Francis. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you very much. I'm good. And so you're, you're here as part of the WBC Cares organisation? Yes, yeah, WBC Cares. And I'm, I'm really um, fortunate to have been asked uh, to come on board with the WBC Cares by um, Scott, uh, Scott Welsh. And for me, it's been an eye-opener in the sense that not only um, coming down here today to see the... Uh, the wheelchair boxing and, and that's what this this event is about the wheelchair boxing yeah but just in general with working with wbc cares yep. in the sense that we're working with um young offenders kids taking out of mainstream school um kids that want to get and try we're trying to take them away from the gangs and stuff like that mm -hmm. that's that's our that's our kind of message that we want to put across you know and then and then today seeing this event mm. and coming to get involved in this wheelchair boxing, the launch of the wheelchair boxing event, um, is a real has been a real eye opener for me, in the sense that I've seen guys doing wheelchair boxing. I've seen it once on, on YouTube, but actually to see the guys actually do it and they have a little bit of an explanation as to how um, how they move in, what they how they gain their skills and stuff, and it's fascinating. And it's very, for me, I, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I really am liking what I'm seeing. That we can get everybody, it's boxing is being shown as being all-inclusive. Yeah, absolutely, for everybody. Yeah, you know, for everybody. We've seen the rise of women's boxing in the last few years. Yeah, that, that, I think, for me, women's boxing was never, it was never ever an issue with me. No. Um, because I came... Obviously, first off, I was in, in boxing, but then coming from a kickboxing background right. and kung fu background, right. um, I always saw women in the gym anyway and women right. competing and fighting. So that was never an issue for me. Women boxing has never been... I've always enjoyed women boxing. I, I, I think that uh, back, in the, back in the day when, when it first was coming about, there was a lot of people that were trying to shun away from it and everything like that. But... You know, for me, it was it was just a uh, progression of the sport. Yeah, and this yeah. is that next progression. And this, now. yeah, yeah, obviously, um, when we when we're looking at uh, something like an, an event like this and a launch like this, um, we have to realise that everybody, no matter their abilities or disabilities, should be able to um, have a chance to participate. And I think this is where. The launch of this wheelchair boxing is that catalyst to get everybody involved. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we've, we've learned we've learned a, a lot today here, really. And uh, I was talking to Scott before just about the the, the scoring system. Yeah, it's totally different, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, and this is something that I'm learning myself. Um, there's there's things that you can't uh, the, the wheelchairs the wheelchairs can't stay on the ropes for. Uh, an uh, an enormous an amount of time. Two seconds, isn't it? Uh, it I think it's t between three and five seconds. Right, right, right. Um, the punches are, uh, are scored for head and body. Even though even though guys are sitting down in the wheelchair, right. um, they're going to be scored hitting in the head and hitting in the body. The way they move the wheelchairs, which is going to be um, different. And I, one thing that I would say about wheelchair boxing is it's all core work. Right. right? Even though I'm a bit chubby myself. Like it's all core work, and the guys have to not only be throwing their punches, but moving their wheelchairs, and they've got to take their hands away from the actual protection protection positions to actually move the wheelchair to get in position yeah. again to get hit to get hit or, or do the do the punching. So it's a whole different level of skills again, which I'm 
I'm very impressed with. So much to think about, really isn't it? Yeah. It's an extra. It's an extra thing to think about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's um, like they said, like the guys were saying, the guys sitting down in the wheelchairs are saying, we have to use the wheel. The, the wheels are our legs. Right. And it's a whole different perspective as well, you know, which and I am really, I am really fascinated with it. You know, and I'm really um, pleased to see something like this get launched. I was talking to some of the guys earlier they were talking about their sparring and they said it's very much about teaching each other it's not about them whereas I imagine when you sparred as a pro you'd have some right wars and yeah, it was about, yeah, it was about getting the getting the better well, of your guy across the yeah ring. you did you got you went out there and you, you went out um, to show and to show your skills against your opponent but I suppose in the wheelchair in the wheelchair yeah. um, sparring and even in the fights the guys even even today in the demonstration when the guys was, were um given the demonstration they're talking to each other right. they're they're talking about the movement when they're, they're giving um what punches they're gonna front not not actually shouting and giving away what they're gonna do but yeah that was a good move i'm gonna move here i'm going this way i'm gonna you know and that's what it, and that's the level of skill you have to have also and I, and I commend these guys for doing it. But when they're talking in the ring, we're always, so we always, I was always told, don't open your mouth when you're boxing. Right. So, because you get, and you get hit in the jaw, and it's very, very painful, or you can get a broken jaw. Right. So, you know. Who was the worst for talking during your career? <laughs> As a totally unrelated subject, who was the worst for it? <laughs> who was the worst for a chat? Well, I, I sparred with an awful lot of guys. But there was a guy, Derek Williams. Right, yep. He taught me so much about the game okay um and every time i spar with derek i'd think i'd say i'm fit and strong and i'd be in there punching away with him and and hitting him to the and he'd say he'd be talking to me he'd say, what are you doing you can't that doesn't hurt and this and that and, and all of a sudden after two three rounds i'd be i'd be absolutely flagging and then he'd say right now it's my time but then you know i learned what he was doing was taking it away from me. He was he was kind of doing a rope dope kind of thing with me. Right. What Ali Ali did to Foreman. Right. So you know, um, but then I learned. I right. Learned, you, know? you learned. Yeah. So definitely. you never became a talker. Um, not really. I I just growl. Right. I used to just growl and yeah. and, and <laughs> be horrible and nasty that right. way. But I didn't realize you did kickboxing and kung fu as well. You're yeah. far more dangerous than I realized. Well, I have I have these skills. Or I had these skills many <laughs> years ago. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, boxing was my first love, but I did kickboxing, bo um, kung fu, karate, and that kind of stuff, um, also as well as boxing. Right. And I just was just an all-rounder. I also played football and rugby. Right. So, uh, wow. yeah. You are a bit of an all-rounder then? I, well, I used to be. I put on a bit of weight now, but I used to be. And I, I like, I was always, for me, I was always, it was always about sport. Right. I loved sport in general, you know what I mean? Right. Watching loads of different sports and, and if I could, participate in them. And then um, boxing just became the sport as I whittled down things, as I whittled down things, boxing became the one that was, it just suited me. So, you know, when I was, I was fortunate enough, I've had, I had a good career. I had a good career out of boxing. So, Final question, and we I've asked you off the record, I've given you a few minutes, I've given you a few minutes to think about yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, today it was announced that for your, your former title, the British title, yeah. it's vacant, and it's going to be contested between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce. Who do, who do you fancy? Well, as much as I admire Joe Joyce, I have to go with uh, Daniel, right. Daniel Dubois, because not only... Is he St. Lucian <laughs> or half St. Lucian? Uh -huh. But, and the same like me, he's half St. Lucian, I'm half St. Lucian. Right. Um, but he's from South London as well. Right. So and he, he is from my neck of the woods. He comes from Greenwich, I came from Woolwich. And I just feel that looking at him, and, and as good as Joe Joyce is, right, and I'm not knocking Joe Joyce in any way, no. but I just feel um, Daniel is, he's looked very, very impressive over his last couple of fights. Um, they're both big punchers. They're both, they both are big punchers. Um, I think, you know what I like about Daniel is that he's young mm. and he's so focused on, on what he's doing. Yeah. Um, Definitely an improvement. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, His jab is becoming... You know, he works with a, um, 
Um, uh, he works with a guy that I used to work with over at um, um, the Peacock Gym. Right, yeah. And uh, he's a strength trainer. Right. right and I thought, you know what? His name just completely lost out of my head. You know, why? Why have John? His name is anyway. Right. Right. But John McComish. Right. So there you go. And I know he's gonna, he's gonna, not, he's gonna have a go at me for that. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know he works hard. I know he's very strong and he looks, he's impressive. He, right now, when I look at Daniel, I'm looking at a guy, a former guy like George Foreman. That's the kind of, he's young. When Foreman was like 24, and, and, and 20, like 23, 24, and he was coming up, and he was doing what the kind of damage he was doing, um, that's, that's how Daniel reminds me what he's doing, going out there, taking care of business. And, and I'm not knocking Joe Joyce in any, no, any way, shape no. or form, but I just feel that Daniel is that guy that's, I, I, he's got in, in maybe about, maybe a, a year or so, two years maybe, maybe two years. Right. Um, I can see him fighting for a world title. Yeah, yeah. You know, no. and I, I think he's, he's that good. Yeah. I think he's, he's, he can only, and the, and the thing is, when I look at him, he, all he's doing is learning. Yeah. And that's the great thing about this guy. He's just he's progressing, learning. progressing, learning, learning. That's and that's it. It's a fantastic fight. Oh yeah, for, for a fantastic it's, title that deserves. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. It and, deserves. And, you know, um, it, it's my old title. Yeah. Yeah, the British title. And, and you won it outright. Outright, yeah. Did, didn't you? I, yeah. I won it outright. Yeah. And Where is it? Um, it's it's actually sitting in a case under the bed. Ah. I don't have it on display. Because it's just, you know, I know I say because it's just, but it's, I have it there, and every now and again I might take it out and polish it and look at it and go, yeah, that was me. Standing in your dressing gown. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think that it's a great title to fight for. Coming from, and, and I and I always believe this, that when you're when you're boxing, you start, you have to start at the bottom. Mm. So, winning the Southern Area title, getting a shot at a British title. A European title, Commonwealth title, and then fighting for a world title, and I think, you know, that's some some guys go jump straight in and yeah. and whatever. It's more of a trend today, isn't it? Yeah, it seems that way. Because yeah. of the, is it the things to money? Well, the money's money's part of it, but I think that guys are not confident. It seems like to me the guys are not confident enough to put themselves on the line and fight the way up the hard way to do because the free defences to keep yeah, it. Yeah. Because it's it's like. I, I see it like this in, in, in some ways with boxing, is that guys think that if they have a loss, that's the end of their career. Yeah. You know, my, my old trainer, Mark Rowe, used to say, one swallow does not a summer make. Yeah. You know, and I had losses. I had losses all throughout my career. Yeah. But it's about how you pick yourself up, brush yourself down and say, you know what? That is not the definition of me. That is not going to define who I am as a fighter. I went on and won a British title. I went on and won a British title outright. I won a Commonwealth title. I defended that a few times. You know, I, I went on and, and fought some of the some of the biggest names in the sport. Yes, you did. Um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't beat them, but I did it. Yeah. You know, I went out there and put myself on the line, and and I say to fighters, you know, and I would always say this. Don't be afraid to take a loss. If you if a loss happens, all you gotta do is brush yourself down, get back in the gym, work harder. Back at it again. Back at it, yeah. Thank you so much for your time, no Julius. Problem. I appreciate no it. Take all care. Right. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.